Artemis endeavors to get more women and girls in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Artemis podcast. I am your host, Ashley Chance, and today we are joined by our guest, Kylie Caldwell. Hey, Kylie. Hey, Ashley. How you doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. I am, like I've already told you, I'm finished school, so less stress, but um, now on to the stress of my certification exam, but I'm doing well, so thanks yeah, for well, having me on. <laughs> absolutely. We're, I'm excited to to talk to you today. Uh, what what did you finish school for? So I just finished my master's degree um, in nursing uh, for family nurse practitioner. So wow. looking forward to looking forward to that. You're a brave woman. Oh my goodness. I am like ready to be done. Everyone's like, are you going for your DMP? I'm like, heck no, I'm done with school. I don't want to write another paper. I don't want to <laughs> take another test. I'm done. <laughs> oh so. man, I can I can empathize with that. Oh, yes. Well, what a wonderful achievement. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. So to start us off, one of the questions that we ask um, a lot of our guests is what's in your freezer? Can you give us a rundown? Oh, Lord. Well, actually, this is kind of a funny story. So we have multiple freezers um, here. We've got one in the house. We've got a deep freezer in the house. And then we have a deep freezer out in our shop kennel area uh, another freezer out there and a freezer down in our boathouse and the people are probably like why does this lady have so many freezers well we train a lot of dogs so we have a freezer for the game so we have raccoons rabbits ducks birds woodcock any type of bird you can think of it's in that freezer and then unfortunately uh, a couple weeks ago the main freezer in our in our shop area um actually died and we didn't know it and we have actually half a cow in there right now (gasps) sitting in there as we speak with 90 degree weather just kind of rotting so if anybody can picture that um yeah my husband actually has to take it to the dump tomorrow um so we lost a half a cow in there but um yeah so it's kind of funny but not really at the same time because it was very expensive and we lost all that meat and we had a bunch of venison in there too from last year's deer and um yeah Sad oh story. my gosh but, that is heartbreaking yeah it really when he told me I was at a friend's um dog training and he called me and he's like you're never gonna guess what happened and it was old our friend gave it to us and you know, we don't check it all the time. We don't go out there and we go out there every day, but we don't look in the freezer every day. And he's, right. he told me it was dead and that everything was in. So we haven't opened it, obviously, because, you know, it's going to smell really bad. So, um, yeah, his job tomorrow is to bring it to our local dump to get rid of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. OK, well, that's sad. But let's can we total how many freezers was that? Oh, let's see. One, two three, four, five, five, five. That's that's kind of crazy. (laughs) It's kind of crazy, but it makes sense. What, uh, so the birds that you mentioned that are in the freezer, are they birds that y'all hunted and you're going to eat or are they for like whole birds for training dogs? So, uh, currently right now they're ones that, um, actually for the dogs mostly, um, 
and then some actually that we have frozen down in our boathouse that normally for like our NAVDA test that we do, which I'll explain that more in detail once we get going, but um, we do kind of like a potluck or stew with um, birds that we've we've shot for the dogs. Um, so we'll do like a stew with that. We have some of that, but mostly it's for dog training. Um, and then birds that, or a wood duck that we have in there that needs to go to the taxidermist. But um, other than that, yeah, it's mostly all for the dogs. <laughs> wow, all for the dogs, I can relate. <laughs> Maybe not to the degree that you can though. Okay, so our next question, which hopefully this will illuminate some of the things we've been alluding to for our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Oh boy, yeah. Let me try to keep this not too long and drawn out. But yes, um, so my name's Kylie, like Ashley said. Um, I currently live in uh, Lillington, North Carolina, for anybody that knows kind of North Carolina. I'm kind of smack dab in the middle of the state, um, south of Raleigh and north of Fort Bragg, so kind of right in the middle. Um, I live here um, with my husband and we own about close to 80 acres here on our on our property and then we have access to uh, about another 200 that we are leasing hopefully with intent to buy. But um, we own a kennel here, dog training kennel um, and um, breeding facility. Um, our name of our company is Rusty Guns Kennel. Um, I've been doing and helping, I guess, with that for the last, let's see, my German short hair sassy will be eight this year. So probably about close to 10 years with him. Um, I, you know, grew up in Maine, uh, moved, um, after college, after my undergrad, I moved to North Carolina and, um, kind of did my own thing for a while. I had a short hair for a very brief amount of time and long story short that's how I met my husband um, my boyfriend at the time bought a dog from Scott and we broke up and I was like what do I do with this dog he was a wild crazy maniac GSB and I was like I have no clue what I'm doing I live in an apartment I work nights as a nurse and I need help um so that was gosh 13 years ago and then um you know met Scott and kind of just fell in love with the dogs. Um, in Maine, I wasn't a hunter. My family, um, my dad was a hunter, he a big avid deer hunter. And I remember as a kid watching him, you know, gut deer and skin deer. And I'm like, this is gross. I don't want any part of that. And avid um, duck hunter. And, you know, I wish, you know, what I know now, I, I knew then because, you know, Maine's very well known for waterfowl and, um, and grouse and birds and I just you know we're going there actually this year but um I wish I I would have taken advantage of that but um so you know fast forward now um I'm hunting with the dogs and the dogs is really what brought me into becoming a hunter um and my husband honestly I don't think or I mean I could probably honestly say that because of my dog I've I got into hunting and I don't think that if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have become a hunter. Um, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of where I am. And um, I know we're going to talk about where I'm kind of going, but that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. So Kylie, it's really interesting that you say your dog got you into hunting. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So like I said, the first short hair I had, um, 
was through Scott, uh, my boyfriend, like I said, at the time was uh, stationed at Fort Bragg and, and bought a dog named Benelli. Um, didn't really hunt with that dog. Like I said, he was kind of a maniac. Um, field child lines is where he was out of. So he was just wanted oh to go, gosh. go, go. Our dog um, is also out of field. Child. We're going to have to, we're going to so, have to come back to this later. Sorry. So, Keep going. so you know, um, I know just wide open. And I mean, I had dogs growing up as a kid, but nothing to the extent of this dog. And he just, you know, he wanted a purpose. He was living in an apartment and, you know, which isn't very fair for short hair. We always, you know, when we sell a dog, where do you live? Because it's, they need to be exercised and um, they need a purpose. So that was kind of my introduction, if you will. Um, And then let's see, after Benelli, I got my second short hair. So Sassy and Sassy, who I've been on other podcasts before. Everybody kind of knows her, but that's really the dog that got me into this. Um, when I purchased her, it was a gift from Scott, um, and it was for my birthday. And he's like, "We're going to, we're going to our friend at the time, Rob Walker, who lives in Charlotte. He had a litter of puppies. Well, I didn't know. He's like, we're we're going to take a drive. We're going to go to visit Rob. And I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking in my head, I know Rob has puppies." but didn't know we were going to look at them. And so I'm sorry if you can hear Calypso crying in the background. Oh, Scott just seems, walked outside. Seems very appropriate <laughs> for our topic today. Um, so sorry if you can hear that. But so we get there um, to look at the pups and, you know, I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like, okay, you know, we're visiting Rob, but I'm not sure. Like we're seeing these puppies, but I at this time don't know that one of them is mine. So Scott's looking and at the time Rob had two litters. Um, They one was four weeks and one was six weeks old. So we were looking at the four week ones and Scott's looking in there and he's like, so we're here today because you're I'm getting you a puppy. And I'm like, "Okay," And I'm like, still kind of like in shock right now. And he's like, "Okay, let me look at them and assess them and see how they're developing. Because, of course, he's trying to pick the best one that he wants, not for me. <laughs> and so he's grabbing them, looking at them, and he picks one up and gives gives her to me. And he's like, you know, he tells me before we get in there, don't pick the first one that kisses you, licks you, or cuddles with you or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Wait, wait, so, can you, why is this? <laughs> because he, he wanted to make sure that that dog he picks is going to be a good dog type of thing temperament and and all that stuff and so the first puppy that licks you is not going to be they're not going to have a good temperament is that it Uh, apparently he he didn't want me to get attached the first one i i held apparently is is what he was saying so obviously everyone can allude to what's going to happen he gives me this puppy and of course, what do I do? You know, I'm checking her out and I put her right up to my neck and she starts licking my ear and my neck. And I'm just like, yep, oh. okay, this is this is the one that's coming home with us. Obviously not, <laughs> not then, but um, in a few more weeks. So lo and behold, Miss Sassy um, came home with us at eight weeks old. And for the first, I think, two to three weeks, she didn't even have a name. Because um, I was like, this is my first, you know, bird dog. And the name needs to be really good. Yeah. Um, her, you know, I, I just, it, it was special that, you know, he helped, 
I say help pick out, but I really picked her out, um, this dog. And um, so one night we're laying in bed and of course she's in the bed at, you know, 10 weeks old. And that's what we do with all our dogs. They get spoiled. And she was being so feisty and Scott was like, man, she's really sassy. And I was like, yep, that's it. It clicked. I was like, that's her name. And um, for anybody that, I mean, knows me and has heard these stories, this dog has lived up to that name. I mean, it's crazy. Um, she is quite the fierce bird dog um, and extremely sassy. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how I wound up with her. Um, and that's really what got me. I mean, once I got her, I started going to AKC events. Um, I actually did a, a AKC little fun match, um, which it's it's not for points for showing, but it's just to go out there and learn how to show a dog. Um, so I did that and quickly learned that I was like, these people are crazy. I'm <laughs> sorry if anybody likes showing dogs and AKC people, I'm not trashing you. I just, it's not for me. Um, they were out there with their grooming tables and clippers, scissors, all these things. I'm like, no, this is not for me. Um, and then kind of got into pretty big with NAVDA, um, which is a North American versatile hunting dog association and, and started testing Sassy when she was a puppy all the way up to the highest level you can go and um, just kind of lit a fire. And, you know, now I have technically I the paper said that I own the dog. So for um, short hairs and, um, you know, I'm I'm starting to train my puppy that that um, Sassy actually um, whelped in 2021 this past January. So it's kind of addiction now. Um, and I just really love the dogs. Um, and I just love work, watching them work. And, you know, sometimes I won't even bring my gun out and I just, it, it's just, especially to see a puppy point for the first time, it, it gives you chills and goosebumps and there's nothing better than that. Whether it's a short hair, because uh, we train a bunch of different breeds of dogs too. Um, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, it, it's just amazing to see and watch. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. I can, I can empathize with watching a dog work. We have a Springer Spaniel who is out of field trial lines. And though we love him dearly, he's insane. He's cost us literally $10,000 in medical bills. He's four years old. Oh. So he's something yes. special. Uh, but they're, they're beautiful. My dad had a, a spring, or I think it was a Cocker Spaniel growing up. And they're quite, they can be quite the handful, especially, you know, field trial lines. They just, they want to go and they want to work. So. That's right. Yeah. He's been neglected this, this past almost year because of me being pregnant and then having the baby and a whole host of things. But we're going to be moving here in a few weeks to four acres, which doesn't compare to where you all are, but it's going to be awesome for us and it's going to be just near the wildlife management area that my husband manages. So that's a hundred thousand acres and we're going to start doing him justice. Yeah. Let him just run. And yeah, that's going to be awesome for him. That's great. Yeah. But, uh, I guess I wanted to ask, um, do you, do you only train pointing dogs? So mostly yes so within navda um you know we train a bunch of other like we'll train labs and we've trained some flushing dogs but primarily we're training the versatile breeds and navda I, and i don't know the exact number i so don't quote me on this but there's probably 33 to 38 versatile breeds so 
you've got pointers, um, wire hair pointing Griffons, Vishlas, wire hair Vishlas, um, Spinonis, short hairs, um, German wire hairs. Um, there's many different breeds. And so primarily um, we train those poodle pointers. Um, mostly we've trained some Boykin Spaniels um, and some labs here recently. And by no means are we lab trainers, but you know, their one job we tell people is to go out and get it and come back. They're retrievers. Um, so we can train th those tasks, but primarily I'd say mostly um, versatile breeds um, to include the pointers too. So not a lot of flushing though. Um, just we're not as familiar with it. Can we do the obedience and those kind of things? Yeah, of course. But as far as a flushing dog, we don't own them and we just in our area, it's mostly the versatile breeds um, where we are. Sure, that makes sense. There's not a not a lot of, I guess, upland hunting that would require or benefit from a flusher in that area. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, Boykin Spaniels were developed in the Carolinas, weren't they? I think it's actually the South Carolina, like their dog, I think. And don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure South Carolina. But there are a lot of Boykins um, in this state too, North Carolina, and also breeders. Um, and yeah, I just we don't get a lot of them. And like you alluded to, you know, upland hunting with them. You know, unfortunately in North Carolina, there's not a lot of quail left. Um, predators and habitat for them, and um, you know, it's it's sad but true. Um, there are some pheasants actually like out really um and i cannot remember the name of the town but supposedly and i have yet to go they're they're on this like island um and there's some quail you know we we train a lot of dogs so there's a lot of quail on our property but unfortunately the hawks just scoop down and they're like candy to them so it's yeah. really hard to maintain um the habitat and they're a very fragile bird um mm -hmm. My husband always would say, like, everyone's like, why don't you guys raise your own birds? And it's like, because it's difficult. And quail are literally born looking for a way to die. They're just so fragile um, <laughs> that they're hard to keep. <laughs> That's a great so. way to describe them. You know, in in undergrad, <laughs> we used to talk about rabbits as being the M&Ms of the woods. And I feel like, you know, everything just wants to have a snack on them. I feel like quail are probably the the avian equivalent of that. Yeah, I mean, even the dogs, when they're, you know, after we've done, like, training with them or force fetch, and they, they're, like, candy to them. They're like, oh, yeah, I can just chomp this in one bite and swallow. I've seen it at training day before. Puppies will go up, get the quail, and literally chomp, chomp, and there it goes. And it's like, oh, that's going to either get thrown up or come out the other end, and it's not going <laughs> to be good. But, um, yeah, unfortunately. But that's the kind of nature of the beast here. Um, There are some hunting preserves, but it's pretty much pen raised birds because we just don't have them. Um, I've heard on Fort Bragg, there's some wild quail coveys, but have yet to kind of hear them or see them. But um, yeah, unfortunately there's not a lot of upland birds. So majority of what we train are for people that are gonna go out west to hunt with pheasant, um, sharp tail, those kind of things, or up north um, grouse hunting, or even in the mountains of North Carolina, we do have grouse and woodcock, so. Um, sure that's that's also too so cool very cool yeah okay so you are a co-owner correct of the dog training business with your husband yes that's correct yep. so 
how two questions or two part question how did that come to be and what does a day in the life look like aside from half a cow rotten in a freezer (laughs) (laughs) so that came to be my husband owned the company prior to us you know being together and being married he started it let's see almost probably 20 years ago um and just a little bit background he ended up getting a hunt i believe from his ex-wife and he went on this bird hunt it was like oh my god and he fell in love he was like you get to hunt behind dogs and see them work and kind of stem from there and he got his first short hair um and i don't remember where he purchased the dog from but he got his first short hair and was really heavily involved into the field trial lines um kind of revamp things now to where our kennel is we primarily breed with a navna and also dk so the german dk um we've imported some dogs from denmark so we've we've recently gotten into that but um you know he's changed some of the lines to get to where we are now um and then kind of when we got together it was kind of like um this dog thing's kind of not going away and you need to either be a part of it because it's a big part of my life or kind of if you're not you know my time's going to be consumed with that and you know I love animals always have growing up and I was like okay um sure and you know now I'm like okay eight years nine years ten years into it like holy crap like this has gone full tilt literally and um, we just built a kennel addition this year um, that can house 12 dogs so indoor outdoor kennels and Um, We train close to 10 dogs a month. And for us is a lot because we both still work full-time jobs. You know, he's working on Fort Bragg primarily and I work. And so we've hired some staff in the last couple of years. We have a full-time kennel um, tech that works with us and two trainers um, and an intern from Fort Bragg that's learning how to do this as well. So we've kind of grown in the last, I'd say two years exponentially and really fast. Um, And I mean, you talk about day in the life, like, I, I don't even know where to start because literally before we got on this call, I'm answering texts, I'm calling people, scheduling dog assessments, scheduling training. Um, my phone is associated with our business. So anytime anybody calls, it comes to me and I'm fielding probably close to 10, I'd say 10 to 30, either calls, texts, or emails a week, um, sometimes in a day. Um, it, it's a lot sometimes. Wow. and um, it, it's we're we're super busy. Um, and right now is really busy because everyone wants, quote unquote, their their dog ready to go hunting. And when I ask people, I'm like, what do you mean ready to go hunting? If you have a puppy, it doesn't need to be ready for anything. Take that dog and go. It just go. It's gonna learn all it needs out there in the woods. Like there's nothing formal you need to do with that dog right now, other than maybe have a solidified recall on the dog. But um, you know, our typical day. I can sort of answer this question. Um, Give me an atypical, typical day. Sure. Uh, So it starts typically, our kennel tech arrives um, in the morning at 5.30. We're normally up at that time, but right now, currently, we have a litter of puppies. So we've been rotating on the couch, um, sleeping not much um, with them, taking care of them. But typically go out there. I typically now, I haven't been involved a lot with the training the last year just with school and everything, but normally 
Um, Scott's out there with the trainers going over the plan for the day and they train Monday through Friday. So every day they're training um, and they're usually here. They get here at 630 and they're here until about almost lunchtime, um, sometimes earlier, depending on what they're doing with the dogs. Um, once that kind of happens, um, our kennel tech's out there giving meds, feeding, those kind of things. And then the evenings typically is where I'm helping. So I'm out there making sure dogs, their health of the dogs are okay, contacting owners. Um, we run a Facebook um, close group. Um, and that's for client dogs that are here training with us. And we primarily post once a week. We were trying to do more, but it, it's just a lot to ask um, for us to do because it, it's a lot of time. And you know, like I said, we still both work full time, so it's hard to do all that. Sure. But we we commit to at least once a week with pictures of their client dogs because, you know, they're sometimes these dogs are with us for three, six. Uh, I don't think we've had anybody over six months, uh, but it's a long time to be away from their owners and they miss them. They want to see them. They want to know that they're OK and they're healthy. Um, so we post on there. And it, like I said, it's closed. So not everybody in the world can see it. Just the people that. Um, we let access to have um, on that website or on Facebook. So we do that typically on Fridays. I'm posting pictures and little messages and updates so the clients kind of know. And if we're having issues, um, most of the time my husband's going to be on the phone with them. Hey, look, your dog either is, is getting it or isn't. And we've got some issues that we need to either figure out or the dog needs to go back to the owner. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I'm fielding calls. Primarily during the week, I let them go to voicemail if it's during working hours, and then I'll call people on my way home. I have a little notebook that I keep up with, and um, I'll write their name down, their number, and contact stuff, and kind of what they're looking for. So I, when I call back, I kind of know what what to tell them. Um, that's a kind of in a nutshell. Um, like I said, atypical day is just if I'm out there able to train, honestly, because like I said, this last year, I haven't really been able to, and I miss that. Um, I've been training my, my dog, Fern. Um, she's getting ready to test for her NAVDA puppy test. And so I've been spending some time with her in the evenings, but um, I'm looking forward to getting back into kind of a routine with that once I, once I start my new job and, and a, able to help. Um, so that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's kind of a lot and all over the place, but um, with dogs, you just have to be prepared for anything and everything and dealing with some special, special clients. And I'll kind of leave it at that because um, we have some difficult clients and we have some really awesome clients. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can imagine that you get get all kinds. Um, gosh, wow. I have so many questions after that. <laughs> Um, so I want to circle back to two things. Let me see. I'll remember one of them first. Um, earlier when you were talking about the stuff in your freezer, you mentioned raccoon. Yes. Is that, is that for the dogs to eat? So actually, um, so for the DKs that we have, um, and dogs that we get in for training, they have to complete what's called a hardness test. And I might not get 100% of this accurate. So like I said, don't quote me on some of these things because I don't I don't know the wording and stuff for the German testing. But they have to complete a hardness test is what it's called. And that's typically for both males and females. They have to complete that prior to them being eligible to breed. Um, and what this means is that 
um, and sorry, this might be a little graphic for some people listening, but um, usually it's with a raccoon or a fox. Um, and luckily for us, we've put a bunch of traps by our bird pens and we've caught a lot of raccoons because they're, they like quail and they like trucker and they like pheasants. So um, we'll catch them in our traps and then we'll release um, when the dog's younger, we'll release the raccoon and it will usually be wounded um, because, you know, raccoons are mean and the last thing we want is them to hurt the dog, which sometimes they ended up, end up getting hurt anyway, but you release the raccoon and the dog is expected to dispatch that animal. Um, wow. Whether, like I said, whether it's a, a a fox or a raccoon, so we use those. And then what we'll do is, after they've done that, we'll keep them in the freezer to kind of do a drag with them, just to before we do the hardness test, so they kind of get used to the smell because they smell different. And we can use them for drags. Um, the DKs are expected to do fur drags um, in their advanced level testing. Um, and so we'll use them to do drags because they're expected to do fur and feather. Um, it's primarily with the DK stuff, but yeah, it's quite intense. I really don't like that part of it. Um, I'll kind of watch like through my eyes, like with my hands up. Cause I'm like, oh my God, my dog's going to get hurt. It's going to get bit by this raccoon. It's going to get scratched. And, um, but like I said, it, it is part of their being able to be breed eligible, um, so some people might think, what the heck, these people are crazy, but that's what they do. And the Germans, you know, the big thing for them is recovery of game, um, especially in Germany and other countries in Europe. Like, that's what the dogs are expected to do. And that's what, um, you know, we're trying to simulate here. Not really the same thing, but um, sort of and um, kind of that's the best way I can explain that. Um, without getting too gory (laughs) yeah no that's super fascinating I mean it's I would describe it as brutal for sure but I mean I understand I get it um are you is there any concern with um raccoons being a rabies vector like I'm sure the dogs are all vaccinated but is that something that you ever worry about when you do this Oh, yeah. I, I'm, of course, me. I'm the health fanatic. I'm worrying about everything. Like, oh, my God, they're getting an infection if they get bit. And, you know, when we do it, like I said, to start out with these dogs that have never done it before, some of them are instinctual. Like, yes, I must get out there. I must get this animal. And, and they know what to do. But, for instance, my male, Falco, he's just a goofy boy. And when you do this, typically you'll you're going to be doing this depending on the dog's birthday, you could, the dog could be only like a year, year and a half. And that's young. And he's goofy. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to get seriously hurt. He's not going to have a clue what the heck to do. And it's kind of like a light bulb switch goes on just like when they're pointing and learning that. And it's like, oh crap, this, this thing could hurt me. And I need to, you know, like I said, dispatch it or, or kill this animal because that's just what I'm I know to do it's kind of like instinctual in them after they've either like I said some of the dogs might not know um when they're first starting out and like he didn't so that's why I say some of the animals used aren't necessarily like you know usually they're pissed because they're out of the out of the trap or whatever and they're mean um but usually when we start out it's it's in a very controlled as controlled as you can be um with other people helping so that the dogs don't get hurt and injured and you know occasionally they will get bit 
but that's kind of when the light bulb switch turns and they're like, oh crap, like this thing's hurting me. I, I need to do something about it. Um, so it's kind of like a fine line, but like I said, I, I typically don't like partake in the actual event. I'll watch kind of from afar because like I said, it's kind of, I don't want to say barbaric, but it's kind of, uh, I'm scared for my dog. I don't want him to get hurt or her to get hurt. That's a big thing for me. Um, even though it's a required thing, um, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Sounds intense. Um, <laughs> okay. So Kylie, can you tell us about one of your favorite moments in the field? Oh boy. Hmm. Let's see. This might be hard. I have a bunch. Well, okay. I have some, let me do one favorite and then I'm going to do one like oh crap moment where I'm like oh this is and this is that so I'm going to talk about the invitational for a little bit for people that don't know this test um, is with the NAVDA you have to get invited to go um, you have to receive a utility prize one score um, and this is typically done by dogs um, so for everybody listening so NAVDA has we'll see actually four tests so NA is puppy they have a UPT um, test, which is like a preparatory kind of not, I don't want to say adult, but adult test. And then they have a utility test for older dogs. And then they have an invitational. So to be invited there, you have to get a utility prize one score. And in 2018, um, Sassy and I qualified for this test and was held in Iowa. And so the first moment I'm going to tell you guys about is the oh crap moment. And then I'll, I'll tell the good one after that. Um, so we're in this test, so people know too, I'll explain it just a little bit briefly so everyone kind of understands what I'm talking about. You have to do, I say three different events, but there's multiple tasks within the event. So they have to do field work for an hour with the bracemate. So another dog out there for an hour, 60 minutes. They have to do a blind retrieve, which is about 100 to 110 yards across water to another, like a land strip, retrieve a duck and come all the way straight back. And then they have to do a double marked retrieve to simulate a, you know, a two duck scenario going down as so the dog has to go get the short bird first, come back, and then go get the second duck and come back. Um, all of this is done without touching your dog, handling your dog, you can to a certain degree. And then all the healing work that's included in it is all off leash. So we talk about obedience with these dogs, which we were just kind of talking about. It's really important, obviously, to have an obedient dog because, you know, you know, most people can't heal their dog off leash, especially with distractions and other things going around. Um, so that's a big piece to that. But so back to kind of the oh crap moment um sassy and i were in the field and we did the field event last so she did the blind retrieve she did awesome the healing was mediocre to the um uh, where they have to do an honor piece which i didn't talk about that but what happens is they release a, a duck from a launcher and it goes out and lands right in front of your dog maybe 10 yards away if that and another dog retrieves the duck and goes back to the handler. And your dog has to sit sit still, not move out of this imaginary type circle. And 
it has to sit there and can't whine, can't bark, can't be crazy, can't break, has to sit there. And by oh, the way, yep. a hundred yard blind retrieve yes. is insane. Yes. And for, for people who aren't hunting dog people, a blind retrieve just means that a bird or a dummy, I guess, but probably a bird for this test yep. goes down and the dog doesn't see it. So the only way they find it is by taking direction from the handler. Yes. Right? Th I, yes. Thank you for explaining that. Yep. So she does that um, on the way back. And this was the first event. And mind you, okay, we're in this like community park thing, like on it's like a state, not a state park, but it, we're in an area where there's other people and there's kayaks and boats to the left. Luckily, they have people down there watching so people can't just, you know, go down the, the stream because we're on a lake kind of, but it's like a kind of like a little island that jets out of, of a body of water. So they literally, they go straight out, but there's no way for this dog to run a bank, we'll say, to come around to get to you. They have to swim straight out and they have to swim back to you, straight back to you. Um, and on this, she's kind of like, on the way back, there's this big stump tree that had fallen in the water, and she's kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to go to my mom. I'm going to veer around, so I have to give her command. And all day, she kind of tested me, so we did that. We did the double mark. She did great. She did great at healing. That was kind of our hurdle, and then we did the field last. And it's 92 degrees, which... So most people are like, oh, my God, it's so hot. But we live where it's hot and we train when it's hot. So that wasn't really the biggest deal. But we get out into the field and we're down to the probably the last 10 minutes. And the dog has to in the field. So people know they have to be steady to everything. So shot, follow the bird and you send the dog and you're out there with another dog. So they have to hunt well together. And your dog has to if the dog. Like, let's say Sassy goes on point first. Another dog has to come up and back her, we'll say. You can't woe the dog into a back. The dog has to naturally do it with the other dog. So you're working as a pair. And we're down to the last 10 minutes, and it's hot. So my judge that's with me is like, let's go to this pool and get her in there. Because it, it was just, it was hot. And Sassy, being Sassy had found all the birds in the field, literally. Like, if there was a bird, she was going to find it. And the other dog had a bunch of backs. So the judge is like, okay, we're going to go to this pool and, and get her cool and calm her down a little. And we, we have to see a back out of this dog for her to be able to, quote, unquote, pass this test. And I'm like, okay. So we go to this pool, and my back's towards the other handler. Well, I didn't know this at the time, but... As I'm getting sassy in the pool, she's getting wet. And at this point, you can put your hands on the dog. You can touch the collar and things like that. But the whole rest of the test, you can't do that. You can't touch the dog. Any direction you need to change, you have to move your body, and the dog must take direction from that. So we're in the pool, and I have sassy's collar, and I'm pouring water on her, trying to get her to lay down, and she just wants to keep going. And I'm like, just, dog, just lay down. And behind me, they have the dogs on point. And I don't know this because, like I said, my back's to them, and I don't know. And Sassy just keeps looking over there. I'm like, what the heck is she looking at? Just come on, dog, get wet. And so I'm getting her wet, and all of a sudden, shot goes off. And off takes Sassy. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. This is really bad. And she goes and, and retrieves the other dog's bird. And I'm like, yep. Okay, crap. So 
I'm standing there. I'm like, okay, well, I better get her to come back to me at least because she just, you know, screwed up. So she comes back to me, gives me the bird to hand, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, okay. And so my she gives you, she, so she gives you the actual bird, not the bird. Yeah, <laughs> the proverbial oh, bird. Oh, whew, yeah. <laughs> if, if she could have spoke or had fingers, yeah, I think she probably would have done that. But my judge is like, well, Sassy is being really sassy today, and I'm just like, Oh, if looks could kill, I probably would have just like stared right through his soul. I was so mad. And I'm like, but it happened so quick. I'm like, okay, I don't know if we're out of it. Like she kind of was giving me the finger all day long. And so that was my kind of oh crap moment um, during that really high stakes um, test. And unfortunately we did not pass, but we had a hell of a time. So um, that was kind of the oh crap. And then probably the best moment um that I've had in a test and I guess I don't know we're talking about testing but um well testing or just just hunting too hunting in general let's see I'm trying to think of a hunting scenario probably when I picked up Falco so my male short hair he's a DK we took him out I'd say let's see he's gonna be he's two and a half now so when we first his first kind of like training season last year probably or year before um he was probably six months maybe eight months old um we went out um to a hunting preserve um to help one of our friends that has dk's train their dog and they let us work falco and probably one of the best moments and there's many of them but this is kind of for for me and him um just working with the other dogs and he went on point and actually backed sassy and I was like, how do you know how to do this? You're you're so young. Um, and we're out here. He had never been there before, um, kind of west of where we live. And I'm like, oh, my God, this dog's going to be amazing. Just, you know, he's backing at eight months old and um, never been out there. And on, I'd say wild quail, but not really. I mean, they're pen raised, but the gentleman maintains know how many acres he has it's a bunch and it's just beautiful he and he releases a bunch of birds beginning of the season he has callback boxes for anybody that doesn't know what those are they're pretty much um where he has like literally boxes where quail will go and then they'll call each other in and they'll cover up at night if it gets cold and then they go off during the day and find spots but that was probably one of the best um moments hunting with him um, just when he was young, um, like I said, there's too many to name, but those are kind of two that stick out that are um, kind of in, imprinted in me. So DK is a dog breed, right? So, and I, I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm not even going to try, but it's pretty much, so you have a German short air and you have a DK. So a Deutsch Kutzer, and that's the German form of a of a German short hair pointer and I'm sorry people if I butchered it because I know I did but <laughs> um, that's pretty much I guess the best way to explain it um, everyone's like well what's the difference between a short hair and a DK and it's like really they're the same it's the same breed of dog it's just um, with the DKs they have different testing they have different standards, um, confirmation and things are a little bit different. Um, so that's kind of the best way to explain it without going down a rabbit hole. 
And I'm sorry, you can hear Calypso. She's being very naughty in the other room. <laughs> so, Kylie, do you have a favorite dog or dog breed? Oh, boy. Oh, favorite dog breed. I mean, honestly, I'm going to have to go with the short hair just because we breed them and train a lot of them. Um, and that's just kind of what I'm familiar with. Um, we also train a lot of wire-haired pointing Griffon, so I really like them too. But um, I'm partial to the short hairs just because I'm I'm most familiar with them, and I just love the way they look and the way they hunt. Honestly, I probably could have guessed that after <laughs> after the rest <laughs> of our conversation. Um, so you mentioned a trip up to Maine. My husband and I and our daughter are going back home to Minnesota to try to get on some pheasants and geese in the fall. What are your plans for the fall? So we are headed to Maine. Um, looking forward to it. We haven't, I'm trying to think when the last time we went. Well, so the last time I didn't actually get to go hunting, but my husband for, um, before we got married, he took his um, friends up there for the little bachelor party and they went hunting on the grouse woods. And that was back in 2015. So I'm looking forward to to going up there obviously too to see my family but we are going the end of October to go grouse hunting um looking forward to that we'll be there for I think almost 10 days with a couple of our friends we're also going with um and right now our dilemma is what dogs are we bringing and how many because for everybody that doesn't know we have let's see we have eight dogs but technically only seven of them are short hairs and then I have a a mutt in there but right now the debate is okay what dogs are going and how many are we bringing without trying to like bring all of them wow classic <laughs> conundrum yes and scott's like no i want to take this dog and i was like no i want to take and i'm like all my dogs especially fern she's a puppy so i want to bring her for exposure and her mom obviously is amazing so i want to bring her and then falco's mine too and i want to bring him so that's three already, and then Scott's like, well, I have to bring Sonia, because that's his baby and pride and joy, and I'm like, oh my god, that's four dogs, okay, we can't bring them all, Scott. <laughs> so that's what we're battling with right now, who we're going to bring. Tough choices. <laughs> well, I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. So we are going to take a quick break to hear from the NWF Outdoors podcast. We'll be right back. Howdy Artemis listeners, this is Aaron Kindle from NWF Outdoors. We know you love awesome conservation conversations. That's why we want to invite you to check out the NWF Outdoors podcast, where we dive deep into the issues, people, and places that showcase the best of the sporting conservation lifestyle. Guests include leaders, luminaries, and decision makers who define conservation and work tirelessly for fish and wildlife. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or at nwfoutdoors.org. Welcome back. All right. So we are going to now do our weekly closer, which is hits and misses. Um, so what have you been aiming for and how did it go? And I will actually go first because it gives you a chance to think about it. Okay. Um, on a... I think the last episode, or at least a very recent episode, I had a miss that was trying to find a new home. 
we're trying to buy a house and the market around here is crazy like it is, I think, in a lot of the country. But um, we actually put in an offer on a house last week and it was accepted. So barring any major disaster, we're getting an inspection tomorrow. Um, and yeah, we bought a house. So it was a hit. Awesome. That's awesome. We think it's a hit right now. <laughs> Fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed. Yeah. What about you, Kylie? <laughs> oh, let's see. I guess, and this probably isn't going to, well, let's see. It might pertain to dogs. Um, two things. So a hit, I guess, would be for my dog, Fern, that I'm training my puppy. Um, went to training day last weekend. Yes, last weekend and um have been training her to do some field work and pointing and just basic stuff for a puppy and we had no e-collar on and she just went out there and tore up the field um she just did so great and then we came back we were putting birds up and we had some pheasants that i was putting in the pen and one of them escaped as i was going out and i was like oh my god this bird and he's just running running across our property i'm like oh my god i need to get this bird back in the pen like crap you know, um, so I get Fern out of the car and I let her track this bird and I'm running alongside of her telling her dead, dead, track it. And we probably ran close to a hundred yards and she tracked that thing and pointed it and brought it right to me. So that was a win in my book. And then I don't really have a miss, but I guess right now I'm in limbo. So trying to make time to study for my certification exam that's at the end of this month. Um, so I, it's not really a miss, but, um, I'm just like trying to prioritize and, and get motivated because I'm just like, so like I told you earlier, done with school that I just don't want to study, but I know I need to, cause it's very important, but, um, those are kind of my two things. Oh uh, yeah. Studying that can be challenging for sure. <laughs> well, before we, before we go, you mentioned that you have a podcast of your own, correct? It's not necessarily my, well, it is my own, but it's with, um, it's with Gundog It Yourself, um, and Nick Adair hosts that, and it's mostly, uh, how do I explain it? So it's Gundog Yourself, just like it sounds. People that he, that guests that he gets on there are a lot of, some of them are professional trainers, like Scott's on there a bunch, and Angie from Canada, but most of it's people that he's talked to and and different aspects of dog training that he gets on there to teach people how to train their dogs themselves. And I host a monthly episode currently now with women. So women that have gotten involved, especially in the hunting in the last, I don't even know how many years, but they're exponentially growing um, within hunting and in and within NAVDA because they got a dog. So I focus primarily mostly on women that have got a bird dog. They've been training it themselves or had some help and just talking about their stories of how they got into it, why they got into it. You know, are they hunter? Are they not? And we host that once a month. Um, currently we haven't done one yet this month or last just because my school schedule. Um, so hi, Nick, Nick's already been on me. you got to get some guests lined up. I'm like, I know, I know. But it's uh, once a month um, with Gundoggy Yourself. So it's called GDI Wives. Um, no pun intended there. But it's 
just relatable conversations with these women and it all relates to a dog, which is really awesome when you hear some of these stories. Um, probably one of my favorite ones so far is with my friend Terry Ann, who has a Vishla and Zara is going to be, she's almost the same age as Sassy. So she'll be eight, I think, um, either before or after Sassy this fall. And her story is just one that I wish I could just tell everybody because she was not a hunter. She didn't grow up in a hunting family. She got this dog to run with. She's a big runner and this dog changed her life. I mean, she's taking the dog out hunting. She's shooting birds over the dog now. She's training for the utility test that she's done, but she really wants to get a prize one um, to qualify for the Invitational. And it's just, it's an incredible story. And it, it, a lot of the women I talk to are all not quite to that level, but they're all have their own individual kind of story. And it all ties back to, they bought a dog and they're like, oh crap, okay, now what? And then, like I said, they're hunting. They're out there with the dog, shooting over top of it. And it's just, it's awesome. That sounds awesome. Where can we find that podcast? So they are on um, Apple, the podcast on Apple, the app. And then they're also um, GDIY.com. And then they're also on Facebook. Um, They usually post the episodes kind of all over and also on Instagram too. Um, So you guys can check out that there. And like I said, the last, I think we've done four or five episodes so far pretty new to it i'm still learning um interviewing guests as you know it's it can be challenging sometimes certainly i'm still trying to figure out but yes if anybody would like to be on there that that necessarily maybe doesn't have a dog but it is kind of related to dog training um just shoot me a message um on instagram you'll find me on um my pages um gdi wives so very cool and where how can people get in touch with you about if they want to buy a dog or find out more about your business? Sure. So we're on Facebook. Um, it's Rusty Guns Kennel. So we're on there and all my information. So email, phone, all that's attached to that. And also we are at rustygunskennel.com. They can find um, more information. We don't update that quite as often as Facebook um, just because it's time consuming, but most everything you need to find if you are on Facebook is all on our, on our account there. Awesome. And we can link to all that in our show notes as well. Okay. Awesome. And something that I failed to mention throughout this entire conversation is that Kylie is one of our Artemis ambassadors in North Carolina. Um, So (laughs) that's how we, that's how we know Kylie. And we're really glad to have you and excited about the stuff that you and our other North Carolina ambassador, Sophia, have got going. Um, Really great. So Kylie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Artemis podcast. We hope you're having a great week until next time. Be bold, stay curious and get outside.